this week in the parish of bourses and market structure. A dangerous, consolidated tape row. A Nepalese stampede, Nasdaq announced co-presidents, while Ronan Ryan of IEX has made an impassioned plea against the mad, bad, dangerous to know and related vested interests to approach exchange reform sensibly. And it's a case of deja vu one more time for MIH and Ledger X. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. My name is Patrick L. Young. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 191. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com, where we've got a groovy new website in beta. You can sign up right now for a free 30-day trial. After that, it is $349 US per user per year to gain your front row seat at the water cooler of the bourse business, the exchange of information, Exchange Invest. Over in BitCarnage this week, we were celebrating the fact that Tay-Tay did her DD. I can recall a previous chairman of the CFTC, and a very good chairman at that, who was an unabashed fan of Share, but I cannot recall any senior regulator coming out as a Swifty. They may wish to consider the option, as it transpires, Taylor Swift combines brains, beauty and an elegantly inquisitive attitude which delivers captivating due diligence ability which ought to dazzle any regulator who has been disillusioned with the crass money-grabbing of many current folks with fame and indeed the intersection of fame and cryptocurrency. Then again it transpires not only did Tay-Tay turn down a $100 million deal with FTX because she asked the salient questions about whether or not she was dealing with private or public securities, it so happens she has a father who was a stockbroker and indeed, when aged five, Taylor Swift, of her own admission, used to tell people she wanted to be a stockbroker, even when she didn't know what a stockbroker actually did, but it was her daddy's job. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest, exchangeinvest.com to sign up. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets as a standalone, you can find BitCarnage on Substack. BitCarnage, delivering you all the news every day about the world of crypto exchanges, digital assets and related market structure. Over in the legacy exchange world, the Tokyo Stock Exchange is planning to extend its trading hours from November 2024. On November the 5th, Guy Fawkes Day no less, it will be expanding trading hours by half an hour to a closing point of 06.30 GMT from 0600 hours. Over in France, they didn't have to close the exchange, but there were some ugly scenes as protesters stormed the Euronext headquarters. Albeit they ended up in the reception area and no further 
Nonetheless, it was dreadful optics, even if the protesters were only occupying the foyer. Arguably, it was all the more remarkable, as La Défense, the financial district into which the Euronext exchange has moved in recent years, happens to be a lot less central than the former SBF HQ in Rue Cambon, or indeed the old historic historic floor at the Palais Brognard nowadays, a club and also a conference venue, although that particular position in Place de la Bourse has been heavily defended for decades. Over in the USA, we're celebrating an incredible milestone, 50 years of US options trading, the Chicago Board Options Exchange marking its 50th anniversary on April 26th. Meanwhile, still on the topic of SIBO, NEO Exchange is now operating as SIBO Canada. IEX co-founder Ronan Ryan has been commenting that opponents of many of Gary Gensler's stock exchange reforms are either insane or talking their own book. Ronan Ryan was, of course, our guest on IPO vid number 11, which is now also a podcast as well as being our YouTube, Facebook and LinkedIn live stream. And I must say, I admire Ronan's pithy candor, a thought-provoking topic. Over in Kenya, rich investors are going to be able to buy extra shares without approval from the regulators, the CMA. At the same time, I'm not particularly sure that enabling concentration of Kenyan stock ownership further into the hands of the wealthy oligarchy is really such a great leap forward. We shall see. The FT, they had the second part of a quite good two-part series discussing aspects related to capital markets. We'll get to that in a minute. But they also highlighted the last-ditch challenge from exchanges over trading reforms. That's all to do with the whole concept of a unified consolidated tape and more. The problem, of course, remains that the European Union has blind faith in the multitude of banks at the expense of the exchanges and other market structures, and actually the markets themselves. It remains a blot on the corporate socialist landscape of Brussels. The willful damage potentially being brought upon exchanges across Europe is a huge issue. And it's a huge issue for the broader economy as well as the exchanges themselves. It's clear that EU markets need to be much better. But then again, the problem is the European Commission, the European Union, tend to have a politically knee-jerk anti-enterprise culture. It could be the problem isn't the markets. The problem is the top-down blob who are once again seeking to engineer champions, which has, to date, never, ever worked in the history of the European Union or indeed in the history of the USSR and other communist entities. Going back to that series, the FT had two parts, Britain's capitalism without capital, the pension funds that shun risk, and how Europe's bourses failed to challenge the US. It's all about Europe's problem with equity markets. And certainly the first headline was absolutely correct. London has a shambolic risk-off investment fund community, which is throttling risk-taking investment and thus innovation. The second part is much more complicated, especially, of course, for the Brussels Bugle to report, because it must balance against its inherently corporate Europhilia and the fact that, indeed, its largest zone of subscribers happen to be in Brussels, alongside London, the traditional headquarters of the Financial Times. The FT is sniffing that America has booms and busts, whereas Europe has, now help me here, Europe has booms and busts too, 
It just strikes me they're not so good at recovering. Every time the European Union goes down, it has difficulty making new highs. Every time America has a problem, that periodic difficulty leads to spectacular new highs in the near term. In essence, the UK and EU have insufficient risk encouragement, too much bureaucracy and are in danger of vilifying entrepreneurship unless it produces vegan handbags or something of the ESG ilk. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In results, it was a very busy week for results in the parish, around and about, it has to be said, the pure exchange business. Two highlights, MSCI reported their results for Q1, operating revenues up 5.8%. That turned into diluted earnings per share up 6.8%. Meanwhile, tech vendor Fiserv, their revenue was up 10% after adjustments, and their adjusted EPS was up 13%. In new markets this week, we have another new CEF. Even more excitingly, not only are there 24 CEFs, but this CEF is actually, yes, a proper swap-based swap execution facility rather than a crypto market or something else, which has been a bit of a trend recently. RTX CEF is a single-member limited liability company registered in Delaware, headquartered in New York City. Good to see the CEF ranks growing again. And indeed, this particular facility looks fascinating trading in swap and swaptions and related products. The BSE's Managing Director and CEO, Sundararaman Ramamurti, he's been delivering cri de coeur. India requires more than one vibrant exchange, and hence the need to make BSE more vibrant, he goes on to note. We're trying to differentiate by tweaking our product offerings. Well, There have been some issues over market maker payments, as we were discussing last week in Exchange Invest newsletter, which has been provoking dwindling exchange-traded derivative volumes in Q1 on BSE. Clearly, BSE has issues finding relevance against the ongoing juggernaut of the National Stock Exchange, despite all its travails. At the same time, the argument that India needs more exchanges is absolutely spot on. Take, for instance, the extent of China's perma-growing exchange industry. By comparison, the enforced closure of many venues by SEBI in the equity arena alone during the past decade has been a fiasco in the development of India's market economy. One thing that isn't a fiasco in India's market economy is the welcome new market IFSC SGX Connect is going to be operational out of the Gujarat International Financial Center Gift City, which means that finally you'll be able to trade those nifties and hopefully the SGX's successful liquidity will transfer into the financial center and back out to the world. It'll be a very interesting moment to see how well trusted this is after the great standoff between SGX and a politically motivated Indian blob which was trying to ban the nifty futures overseas earlier this decade. Nigeria, they're going to be establishing an energy exchange to trade power. And meanwhile, in the Himalayas, we have an avalanche in Nepal of new exchanges looking to open up. According to Sebon, the regulator, the Himalaya Stock Exchange, the National Stock Exchange and the Annapurna Stock Exchange have all applied for regulatory approval to start the stock exchange business. This after a recent deregulation of the rules in terms of stock exchanges being allowed to open. Likewise, the Nepal Multi-Commodity Exchange, 
the Himalayan Commodity and Derivative Exchange, the Multi-Assets Derivative Exchange and the Multi-Derivative Exchange are among the aspirants to create commodity and derivative exchange markets. Quite incredible for a country of barely... What is it? 20 million, 30 million people. Nonetheless, great to see more interest in new markets. And over in Nigeria, Lagos has signed an agreement on financial instruments for the commodity market. In deals news, it was a busy week for deals in the parish of exchanges. All those deals were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. Sign up now at exchangeinvest.com. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. MIH, that's Miami International Holdings, the parent company of the Miami International Exchange Group, they've bought Ledger X. It may not be a huge amount of money in deal terms, but it is a fascinating prospect. We had heard that MIAX and prediction market Calshi had shown particular interest along with the likes of OKX, Gemini, Blockchain.com and Bitpanda in this US CFTC regulated platform, which of course had been bought by FTX and ultimately therefore was a victim of the collapse of that fraudulent entity. In the case of Miami buying this particular market, it's a case of deja vu one more time at least for my MIAX or its parent MIH, as they originally invested in LedgerX back in 2018. That had a number of subsidiary benefits in terms of product licensing rights and technology agreements for MIAX, which therefore has now followed through into a very interesting prospect. Given that LedgerX was the only plausibly clean asset in the FTX portfolio, The ultimate value achieved of $50 million is hardly going to turn the needle on repayments to creditors. At the same time, it's a decent price for the avaricious M&A hounds at MIH who deserve plaudits for swooping in on a deal that has synergy for them through tech relationships and product licenses, etc., etc., AFEX in Nigeria, they're enhancing their agribusiness with $10 billion worth of trade taking place in Africa. TPI Cap, they've taken a minority stake in the very interesting low-code, no-code platform iPushPull. And finally this week, Valerium, which of course you will recall, Patrick L. Young, that's me, is an executive director of We Have Sold Our Bitcoin Mining Assets to a new company, Vinance. Vinance has successfully listed on the Aquas Exchange under the ticker symbol BTC, and we wish them every success in the future. Meanwhile, if you're trying to understand all about everything from crypto mining through the world of fintech and beyond into the realm of exchanges, bear in mind that Ladies and gentlemen, you can read my latest book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. That is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream, Tuesday, 6pm London, 1 o'clock New York time. It's the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. Our most recent show was an epic discussion of real-time risks dating back through Oh, 40, nearly 50 years, I think, all the way to the present and beyond. We were discussing real-time risks with fintech guru, former trader, former broker, and long-standing figure in the parish of the markets of exchange derivatives, Alex Lamb. Our next show upcoming is going to be IPO vid 104 on Tuesday. That will be at our usual time, 7 p.m. Central European time, 6 p.m. London time. We're talking to academic Reiner Zittelmann. He will be discussing 
in defense of capitalism. You can catch all our shows. Just go Google IPO-vid. They are live-streamed and archived on Facebook, YouTube and LinkedIn. Product news this week. The CME Group have completed a series of key milestones in the conversion of the Eurodollar futures options and cleared swaps to SOFR-based derivatives. At the same time, the CME Group have announced they're not planning to launch a nickel contract to rival the LME. And indeed... China, they had perhaps even more seismic news this week. They're launching their first batch of 30-year Treasury bond futures. Very, very exciting news indeed. Wall Street's getting a new fear gauge to celebrate the 50th anniversary of SIBO. There's going to be a new one-day VIX contract being launched by SIBO Global Markets. NASDAQ have been expanded their suite of indexes into new themes and regions, while Turkish IPO rules have been changed. As I say, a frantic week in product news. There was lots, lots more. All of it was on Exchange Invest. Over in technology, market data spend has hit a record $37.3 billion, according to UK Daily News. IBM, they're going to be helping the New York Stock Exchange's listed companies with their ESG efforts, while Delta Capita have announced their new distributed ledger technology venture with Montis as anchor client. In regulation news, uh, the Indian regulators are planning to allow mutual funds to charge performance-based fees. The CEO of Virtue, the kings of payment for order flow, are slamming Gary Gensler's reforms at this juncture and saying it's a plan by the Democrats to curb retail trading. The FCA have caught up with the zeitgeist of the last year and they've set out recommendations for improving the LDI management, telling LDI funds to stress test the buffers for market shocks. That is, of course, a matter that's now been deemed urgent by the UK regulator that caused the resignation of a British Prime Minister over six months ago when many deemed the Bank of England to be asleep at the wheel. Career paths this week. Nasdaq have appointed new co-presidents. Congratulations to Tal Cohen and Nelson Griggs on their elevation. Adida Friedman remains chairman and CEO. The Abu Dhabi Securities Exchange, they've appointed a new chief executive. Abdullah Al-Nuaimi is replacing Saeed Al-Dahiri who had been CEO since 2020. Interim chairman of the board of the London Metals Exchange, replacing the outgoing gay Huey Evans, is going to be John Williamson, currently an LME board member, and a long-standing Hong Kong Exchanges director. That became effective on April the 25th. A little bit of parish news as well. Bob Greifelt, who was Nasdaq CEO and rather transformed that business from 2003 to 2016, has moved on to other ventures, including the launch of Cornerstone FTM, a financial technology-focused investment fund, and is therefore standing down as chairman of Virtue Financial, while Vinnie Viola's son Michael is elevated to chairman. And that leaves us in well, the metaverse. Apple appears to be abandoning, actively promoting its VR headset too, while over at Meta, it's a bit of a bloodbath, having lost $13.7 billion in 2022 as a result of heavy metaverse investment. Disney, likewise, is pulling out. In the case of Exchange Invest, and indeed our publisher, yours truly, Patrick L. Young, 
We only wish that Facebook could get back to their knitting and, for instance, ban the shadow profile which copied my details a year ago and has been involved in scams and other issues related to crypto for quite some time. To date, Facebook have done nothing. That suggests Facebook have much more fundamental problems than merely their premature metaverse folly. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, creator of Marketplaces the World Over, publisher of Exchange Invest and Substack, respectively the newsletters of market structure in the world of all assets and indeed specifically crypto and digital assets. I wish you all a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.